We are um, going to jump back into our sermon series called Multiply on the book of Acts starting next week. Um, thought we'd hit pause on that this week. Didn't really know what this Sunday morning would look like, you know, Sunday morning right after Christmas. Um, and, uh, and, but we're, we're thankful to be here. And so this morning we've got a message called uh, Looking Forward. It's kind of one off. It's not part of our Advent series. I don't do this very often. Um, but this is this is where God took my heart coming to this Sunday morning. Uh, where's Devin at? Devin, we were we were talking this morning, worship team. We run through a set, and we were all like, you know, kind of coming in. Um, and I don't know they they may not have seen the title of the sermon this morning yet, but everybody's like, man, it's the worst day of the year. It's kind of where we got to. Like Christmas is over. Like you have that anticipation for Christmas Sunday morning. And then it's like the next day. And some of you are saying, well, it's not over. I've got, you know, I'm going to family this evening or, or what that, whatever that might be. But you say, what do we have to look forward to? Like we've looked forward. Christmas Day is like this thing you anticipate and you keep, uh, you know, you, you've got this anticipation and excitement uh, that you're looking forward to. And then it's just over. Like it feels like it takes forever to get here. Uh, and, and Devin said something. What did you say, Devin? You said, yesterday I was somebody, and today you... I said, six thousand yells, today That was it. <laughs> hey, we got some amens around here. <laughs> yesterday I was Bay the Elf, and today I'm the Grinch. And, um, and so this morning, I just want to take us to a passage of Scripture, uh, spend a little bit of time in it, um, and, and look at a guy named Paul. Um, who we're looking at in the book of Acts and hearing his stories. Hey, buddy. Um, but th this is a pretty uh, interesting spot because he was, uh, you know, we think we, we might be in a bit of a depressing spot. Maybe coming out of Christmas uh, can be a little depressing for you. Maybe going into Christmas is depressing. You're excited now. It's over. Uh, like you survived the family get-together, um, whatever it might be. But here, here's Paul. Okay, writing this letter uh, to the church in Philippi, who uh, really had um, nothing to look forward to. Uh, he was in prison. <laughs> he was in house arrest. Like he had been so faithful to God and his ministry and his, and his life. And, and here he was in prison, and he's writing this book, uh, this letter to the church at Philippi called Philippians. Let's just read um, read. Three verses here this morning. I'm going to kind of jump around these three verses some, but really the majority of what God has in my heart is right here. Philippians 3, uh, 12 says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess the perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. Uh, another translation of that says God took a hold of him. I am uh, uh, pressing on to accomplish eventually the perfection for which Christ Jesus took a hold of me. Oh, man, don't you like that thought, that feeling that, that actually you're not the only one. You're not holding on to Christ. He's holding on to you. Oh, that feels a lot better, to be honest, than think I've got to be the one that holds on and, 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 and keeps this thing steady and makes it all work. He's the one that got a hold of Paul. And so that changed Paul's life. And, and so 
Uh, he says, I don't mean I've already achieved all these things and I've, I've reached perfection, but I press on. And he says, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. I've not achieved it. I've not made it there yet. I'm not finished. I'm not quitting. I focus on this one thing that helps me. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. It says, I forget the past. I'm forgetting the past. And I'm looking forward. I'm forgetting the past. I'm looking forward to what lies ahead. And some of you say, man, after 2020 and 2021, and, you know, what I said last week, the winter of death is coming. Um, You know, it's like I don't have a lot to look forward to. Uh, But Paul did. And so do we. He says, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. I press on. Uh, so I, I was thinking through this, and, um, and, and there's some, some thoughts here and some things that I, I want to share. Uh, one, there's, there's a Christmas list he, he gives us back in verse 10 that I don't have on the screen that I want to share you. Uh, he had two things he wanted. See if this was like kind of similar to your list. Uh, I want to know Christ. Some of us may have said that. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. That was one thing he said. And then he said, I want to suffer with him. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. That's what he wanted. And we find that's the goal of the Christian life is to know Christ and to be like Christ. I want to know him, I want to be like him. Uh, but there's some exciting things. There's some reasons that, uh, that, that I want you to think about right now. We were, we were talking about this last week, and we were talking about sometimes we can, we can feel like, um, uh, like high school was the, uh, uh, or, or at some point in your life was like the, the point you reached it. Right? Like that. You, you ever heard somebody say, you, you know, you really don't want to peak in high school? Does that make sense? Right? And so Paul says, you know, I've not achieved it yet. Like even though there's been some good things and things have been good and there's been good days and good years, like I've not achieved it yet. So what he's saying is actually the best is not in the past. Like if you want to get excited, you've got to look forward and think about what is ahead. And we're going to see what he was looking at. But you've got to believe that the best is in the future. Like, you've got to be looking ahead and looking forward and believing it and, uh, and, and working that way. So you have not arrived. Your best year has not come yet. You're like, this is because the best year, and I want to give you a secret to this whole sermon and, and why Paul has this perspective, why he has this attitude, why he writes these words, is because he had an eternal perspective. Oh, man, we get stuck and we lose that perspective all the time. And we think about next month, we think about the next holiday, we think about the next vacation, we think about the next weekend, we think, man, if I can just make it till tomorrow. Like, we we get so temporary that we forget that the end of this thing is the best we will ever know. Like, nothing in this world will ever compare to what God has waiting for those who put their faith in him eternity, heaven, perfection. 
Like he's saying, I'm going to reach that. And so he, as he's talking about this, I've not reached it yet. And, and for some of you who love calculus, <laughs> did I get an amen? No. no. I, I, I had this thing. I want, to, I want to tell you a little bit about the, what was that? I missed it. Uh, get, a boo. get a boo. I got you. Uh, I, I, I took a calculus class in high school. didn't love it, but I remembered this thing, and I had to look it up to see what it was called. I got, a, I got another graph for you. You're all going to stop coming if I keep using these graphs and charts. Uh, and, and it was called, a thing called an asymptote. Who knows what an asymptote is? It, it, it's basically a graph that says it always approaches a number but never reaches it. It looks like this. And who's leaving? No, everybody's still here. So that, like at the top of this, this line, this curve, what happens is the formulas that's there, when you, when you put the number in, like all the way to infinity, it just keeps getting closer to one, but it never gets there. Like it goes forever and it never gets there. And that's what the Christian life looks like. What Paul is saying, in this life, we will never be perfect. But he, he had a hunger to know Christ he had a hunger to be like Christ. And the Christian life, he's, he's teaching them, he's telling them, it's like, actually, you should grow more and more and more like Christ every day of your walk. Like, you should look like that curve. Like the, Imagine one is Jesus, and we are getting closer and closer and becoming more and more like him. And we're thinking like him, and we're getting to know him. Because you know how you get to know somebody? You don't, you don't, you don't just come... Uh, here on a Sunday morning and, and hear me uh, talk about him. You, you spend time with him. Oh, you spend, you spend time with him. Spend time talking to him. Uh, you understand how he lived and his background and his, his history. Uh, you spend time with other people who spend time with him. And you grow more and more uh, like him. It's kind of like... Uh, I mean, that was so, such good timing. If y'all just saw my wife, Bethany, walk out with our three-year-old. Uh, you know, he's our kid. I think he's super cute. Uh, y'all think your kids are super cute. I do, too. But, I mean, doesn't he just look like a little angel? <laughs> I mean, look at that face. And so he, he's perfect in my mind. His development and behavior, not so much. <laughs> like, I just, I love him. He's amazing. But that beautiful little thing, like Wednesday night we went to Texas Roadhouse. And we were getting ready to leave. Like, we'd made it. He sat with the big kids' table. They took care of him the whole time. Me and Beth were like, what's happening? We can eat. Like, I, I can hear you. We just had, like, half a conversation. And, but he'd reached his limit at the end, and he was wanting down out of the, the, and, and the booth. And so I got him, and I was holding him, and he, I chased him around, like, a couple times all the way around the place. Just let him kind of go so he could run. And then I picked him up, and I went back, and I, said, I was telling Beth, I'm going to take him out. And he turned complete like Mike Tyson, I don't know. Like, beat my face in. No, I'm, I'm talking like fist after fist after, like, and I was just standing there. Like, I tried to set him down. He was still reaching up and hitting me in the face. No, your kids ever hit you? Yeah, like, he's at that age. Like, I just got to survive. I got to live. 
See, he's, he's perfect but in, in the way he's made and how God made him. And it's just like you and me. Like We're perfect. We're God's masterpiece. But in our development and our spiritual maturity, we've not reached it yet. Like Still, every now and then, we punch some people in the face. Hopefully. Like rhetorically. And not really. Maybe sometimes really. But every now and then, we're just going to lose it. Because we've not attained it yet. We've not made it. We've not accomplished it. We've not made it to heaven where it's perfect. Where like all of a sudden we've, we've tried and we've went around this curve our whole life, get more and more like Jesus, and all of a sudden he's just like, you can't do it. I did it. Just have faith in me. Trust in me. You're righteous. You're perfect. Plead my blood and you're into heaven. That's it. Let's think through this real quick. Paul was able to look forward because he had two things, really. He had the awe, like this, this just uh, A-W-E, all this like, oh, man, like of God's grace. That's, how, that's, how, that's one way he was able to look forward. And, and, and when he says he's forgetting his past, th- there's a reason. Uh, um, but here, here's what he said in verse... Uh, uh, Verse 8, in this same Philippians chapter 3, verse 8. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ, for God's way of making us right with Himself depends on faith. Like he had, he was just blown away because this was Paul, and uh, here in this verse, uh, he says, "Forgetting the past." I want to take a minute and just talk about that. There's some things that Paul needed to forget, some things that uh, you and I need to forget. When it says that, uh, forgetting the past, that word in in, in the Greek. Uh, literally meant like it, it, it's not like totally gone. It's just kind of hidden. It, it, it means there's some things in the past like that we know it's there, but we don't keep it in front of our face all the time. Like it's not just blatantly obvious. It's not something we're dwelling on every day. It, it's not something we got plaques up about and, and, and pictures hanging on our wall about. There's some things in our past like we know it's there, but I'm not going to dwell on that. I want to tuck that away. There's some things about it. There's some good things we need to tuck away. There's some bad things we need to tuck away. For Paul, he said, you know what? Listen, I was the best of the best. I had every reason to brag. Like he was a smart guy. He had all the connections. He had the power. He was a Pharisee. He was the strictest of the strictest. Uh, he was a Hebrew of Hebrews, as he said. Like I was it. And you, oh, somebody wants to, to, to brag about how good they are? I could brag more. That's what he said. In the verses I just read, he said, but you know what? When I realized what Jesus Christ did, I counted all that as garbage. Like anytime we think we are entitled, we deserve, or we've accomplished, or we've made it, or we put the pressure on another person to be perfect, to make it, to, to live the Christian life, and you, you see that they, they mess up, and you like you, you start stabbing holes in them, 
like in, in their Christian walk and you start questioning it. The reason is because they're not Jesus and you're not Jesus. He says, but you got to forget the past. And some things Paul had to forget. One was like his religious superiority. Like he had to forget that. Like I'm going to forget that I was a Pharisee. That I was the strictest. I was the Hebrew of Hebrews. He said, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin. A real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. He was trying hard. I believe... He needed to forget that. I think anything that we bring out in our life and say, I deserve heaven because I've, come to ch- I've, I've been in church my whole life. Because I come from a good family. Because I'm a member of the church. Because I, whatever those things are that can become religious. That Paul had to forget that. He cast all the ways. Like, hey, none of that helped me. None of that got me, got me in God's grace. None of it saved me. Only faith in Jesus Christ saved me. Amen. And so there's some things we might be proud of that we need to forget. There were some things he was probably ashamed of. You know, he was the guy... That the people who stoned and killed Stephen, the first martyr, he was a deacon of the early church. He held their their jackets. He stood there and watched. He was the guy who was on his way to Damascus to go find more Christians, arrest them, kill them, be a part of everything against what God was doing. He had a lot to be ashamed of. And some of us here, all of us here, have things that we would be ashamed of. Things that you wouldn't want to get up here and share. It's the chapter of your life you're not going to read. Chapter of your life you're not going to put on Facebook. You've all got it. I've got it. Know it's there. Know God saved you anyway. But don't dwell on it every day. Don't let it eat you alive. Like, it, let's forget the past. Today's the day. Let's look forward. That's what Paul is saying. It exists, but it's hidden in plain sight. Uh, so so uh, even this Christian success, like he had gone around preached and planted churches, he was doing good. And he said, I'm forgetting all that. There's risk of of living in the past, two risks. One is you start to feel undeserving because you put the pressure on yourself and you look how you messed up and you think, I don't deserve God's grace. He couldn't love me. He couldn't use me. He couldn't, like, I'm not good enough. I've messed up too much. And so you start risking it that way. And the other side of that coin is you start thinking you've done too good. You've been too good and that you've earned it. Like your God's grace and love is because you've done good. Like both sides are a terrible risk. And they move you away from the foundations that we need Jesus. And then he says, I'm forgetting the past, but I'm looking forward to what lies ahead. Um, part of this is being able 
to move past uh, longing for the way things used to be. It's really easy to do. Um, it's, it's easy to, to do, and, and I'm just, uh, I'm going to say that can be in a lot of different things. Uh, Paul could have very well been in this moment, in this prison, wishing, man, I wish I was still a Pharisee. I remember the day I was in charge. Everybody respected me. I remember that. I wish it was still like that. Or I wish I was, I wish I was in, out of prison. I wish I was, man, down in down Philippi when I was planting the church or Ephesus when, when people were getting saved left and right. I wish I was there. Like, those were the good old days. I wish church was like that. I wish life was like that again. And, and there's part of us that are going to wish, wish our relationships were the way they, they, they used to be. We're going to wish family was back that we've lost. We're going to wish life was like it was in 2019 before everything went crazy, normal again. He said, part of looking forward is knowing that God has good in the future. Like he's working all things together for his good. And part of that is just not, not, not let's not just always wish it was like, it used to be because there's some things that have been done that can't be undone. Like you are where you are. We are where we are. Let's make the best of it. I shared earlier, the reason he's able to do this is because he's focused on the long term, the goal, the mark. You imagine running a race, uh, and I don't, I've never done that really, <laughs> so I'm not really a good one to give an illustration. Sometimes I race Harker around, you know, in here. Uh, or down a hallway, but sometimes if you're running a race, like there's little short-term things that pop up that, that like you get a cramp in your leg, right? And you're like, it's really easy to be like, oh man, I got a cramp. And you lose target of the end of where you're trying uh, to, to get to or a pain in your side. That's the worst. I remember basketball practice, your side hurting. Anybody had their side hurt? Running too much or being, being too active, shortness of breath. Like in the race, the short term, those, those are the hiccups, the trials of life that will get us distracted from the prize. There are things in our life that will, that will do us the same way. We'll, we'll stop looking at the end and we'll start looking at this present moment. It could be bad news. It could be healthy. It, it could be you know, a, a, a prodigal child, that, huh, a three-year-old that punches you in the face at Texas Roadhouse. In front of everybody, could be an unfaithful spouse, uh, could be a, an unfair situation. You you got cheated. Somebody talked about you. Uh, it it could be that there's so much month at the end of the money. Could be the pressure to keep up with the Joneses or whoever it is in your neighborhood or the place. Like, oh my gosh, Facebook yesterday, whoo, like. That's rough on it. You know, if, you don't, if you're not pretty grounded and, like, content with your life, you'll scroll about 30 minutes and think you've just not made it. Like, you're just not good enough. I mean, how'd they even get that tree in that house? <laughs> like, coordinated photo sessions, professional photo sessions, like, in, like, different places and decorations. You know, like, it, it's like... Whoa. Like, is this Christmas? Because you start feeling the pressure to, to do those things and be that way and live that way. 
could be the, the, the crooked boss at work, the bad co-worker, like whatever that thing is. Like, the devil will get you distracted like that from the purpose in your life, from the prize, from the eternal perspective. It'll get you thinking you can't get through this week. And Jesus already promised you, you're going to get through life and you're going to be in eternal life. Like, things are going to be amazing. Like, yeah, it's going to be hard in a little bit right now, but I promise, I promise it's going to be okay. A little delayed gratification wouldn't hurt any of us. <laughs> he had shared a couple things Paul had as we uh, work toward the end of this. One, he had all of God's grace. That helped him forget the past. It helped him see the future and look forward to it and be excited, anticipate it, even while he's in prison. Uh, the other thing, and this is the thing I think is really good, he had an awe of God's power. He had an awe of God's uh, power. Uh, back in verse... Uh, and he said, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. Like, I want to know Christ and experience the power. He had an awe of this power that he had experienced, that he had seen firsthand. And he knew, like, Jesus died and he rose again. And he wanted to experience that in his life. He wanted to see what God could do in his life to help him die to sin and then begin to bear the fruit of his salvation, change his life. Right? You die to self. You die to sin. You turn toward Christ. He, he saves your life. And you get the power that lives inside of you. Resurrection power inside of you. Why would you go into 2022 scared when we've got the resurrection power living inside of us? What in the world do we have to be afraid of? Or to worry about? Or be depressed about? But the devil will get us there. The devil will get us there. So he had an awe for his power. And, and these things changed his attitude. It changed his, it changed his attitude. He was probably arrogant at one point. He was now humble. <laughs> he was now completely just a servant. Like, I know I was a Pharisee. Now I'm the worst of all sinners. That's where he gets to <laughs> as he grows in his faith. Like, I need Christ more than anybody In chapter 2, he had talked to the believers in Philippi, and he, he told them about Jesus. He told them of how to be united and work together. He said, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests. But each of you to the interests of the others. Verse 5, he said, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, 
who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God. Well, as Jesus himself laid down his, his divine nature, his divine power to become a human, to become man. Who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death and even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let's talk to them about looking forward and the humility, the attitude of humility that it requires, that an eternal perspective gives you. Because you see, 2022 and what you can do and what you can be in it is not about you. The problem is we start, we start thinking, we, we start doing things for our own glory and our own benefit and our own recognition. And God calls us to do all things to his glory. That means, yes, there might be some heartbreak in 2022. There might be some suffering. But in this book, Philippians, uh, Paul mentions joy and rejoice 16 times in the midst of, of tr the greatest trial he had ever faced. He spoke about joy. Um, he finishes this by saying this, Philippians 3.14. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. He said Christ had a hold of him, but then he still takes some responsibility. He says what he's going to do. He says, I'm going to press on. Like he had faith, but he also had grit. Like, he, you know what grit is, right? Like, it's, it's the thing that like when you want to quit, when everybody else would quit, and it would make sense to quit, like, Paul didn't because he had an eternal perspective. He said, I press on to reach the end of the race. That means even though last year, this year, you've been hurt by somebody, something, some situation, you press on. Like, we, we, we just got to take it. And go forward. It's there. Don't dwell on it. Don't let it eat at you. Like, go forward. Even though 2021, maybe your plans completely went awry. They're all messed up. Like, you had it figured out, and now you don't have a clue. That means you press on. Like, that's the answer. That's what you do. Uh, maybe it was the best year you've ever had. Maybe it was a good year. And, and maybe by good, you're thinking for yourself, maybe financially or a career or whatever. Like, so maybe right now is a good time to say what Paul would say. He's like, oh, that's garbage. <laughs> no way, men's. 
Right? Like, actually, that's press on. Don't rest in that. Don't feel secure in that. Like, realize that can distract you and you can feel like you've earned it, like you can, you can make it without Christ. Maybe somebody talked about you. Maybe you suffered loss, experienced grief. Paul said, I press on. This morning, this season, as we move into this next year, this church is a different place, different time, different people, different resources. Some of us are surprised. Guess who isn't? The one that's building it. This is not my building. This is not our building. It's God's building. We're going to be sharing some visions in our heart of what we believe God's going to do here in the next couple months. Where I wanted to get us today is this principle, this idea of like things change, things are a little different, but we press on. God is calling us into this place. He's going to use it. We're seeking his will, not ours. Because the, the question is, like, we got a lot of different people in here. I'm not, I mean, we got some new people. We got old people. We got people who've been here from the beginning. We got Pentecostals. We got Methodists. We got Baptists. We got Catholics. Or do we have Christians? Can we forget all that? Can we forget like the context and the training and, the, and what's been ingrained in us about who we are and what we are? And say, what does it look like to follow Christ in community with other people who are following Christ? How is that? What is that like to meet new people and experience new things and see how God can break down barriers? I mean, this is a miracle. This place is a miracle. And what God is doing here. I think um, Bethany and I were talking this morning, and uh, she was talking just about our, our community, our region, our place, and she said something that I just kind of jotted it down. Because uh, Paul referenced he was in a race. And uh, she said something along these lines. I'm not going to quote it exactly, but something like, we're not lacking in people who believe God is real in this region. A majority of people that you meet, if you just ask them, do you think God's real, they'd say, yeah. Uh, but we're lacking uh, people who are living like they believe it. Like people are saying it, and they'll agree but their lives don't reflect it. Here's, here, here's my ask uh, this morning. Are you in the race? Are we in the race? I'm not saying, are you saved? I'm saying, are we in the race? <laughs> Are we willing to face the difficult things? Are we only in the race when it's comfortable and you're racing the three-year-old and you know you're going to win? 
Are we in the race when, when we're racing the Olympic gold medalist and we got like it hurts and it takes discipline and, and, and it takes uh, it takes obedience and it takes righteousness and it takes really looking at our lives and, and digging and cleaning some things out and saying, you know what? One of the things Paul had to do was sacrifice. He had to give up some things, some things that probably defined who he was in his mind. Like, are we willing to give up some things? to humble ourselves to become servants for his glory. Oh, man, because if, if we are and we do, and we, we get a bunch of people in the race, let me tell you, that the person you thought would never get saved will get saved. The thing you never thought would change in the community will change. But not when the devil gets us so apathetic that we're just like, yeah, I go to church. Until we carry our faith into our life day to day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, until we make time and sacrifice in a, in a busy schedule to make time to study and, and serve him, uh, until we are willing to, to sacrifice our careers or who we are and the dreams that we have for the dreams that he has. Uh, as long as we live with a short-term perspective... It would be really hard to forget the past. It would be really hard to look forward and be excited about it, look forward to what lies ahead. This morning, I hope as we go into this new year, this new time, this new season for new beginnings and all of us, like we, we come into this looking forward to what lies ahead. Like believing and trusting what God is doing and ready to get in the race and let's go. That's my heart this morning. God, we are so thankful uh, that you've called us into this place that uh, even coming out of the, the, what, what we sometimes experience as the Christmas season and what we think of it and what our culture pushes into us, uh, that can leave us feeling empty, honestly, the day after. What you offered in your gift never leaves us feeling empty. Actually, it fills us to the brink so much that we, we pour over and it blesses and benefits those around us. God, we pray you just build up the, the barriers, that you tear down the obstacles. The, the barriers that keep us from falling, you tear those down. God, we pray you just, you, you, you bring our hearts back to you. God, you give us a joy about the future. You give us an awe, just uh, an awe-inspiring, can't believe your grace, an awe about your power, the Holy Spirit that gives us power inside of us to accomplish things we can't even imagine. God, that you would humble our hearts, that we would make this year not about us, not about me, but about you, about your church and what you're calling us to do here on this block, in this place, in this town, to give us hearts not to be comfortable, but to be discomforted, to, to have a hunger for the, the lost, for the people that aren't here, for the broken. God, that you would continue to make us more and more like you so that we could be a light in this dark world. 
so that your church could be the beacon on the hill that so many people need to see. God, I'm thankful you called me. You got a hold of me. You brought me into the race. God, let me do like the writer of Hebrews said. Let me cast aside anything that holds me back. Let me, let me get rid of the sin that so easily besets me. Let, me. let me be honest about it. God, search my heart. Find the thing. If it's selfishness, if it's pride, whatever that is, God, I pray you take it out. Let me laser in on the finish line and run. Even when it hurts. press on even when I feel like people want me to fall even when people get excited when you stumble let me press on in Jesus name I pray amen we're going to sing this last song if you want to stand with us where we just corporately as a group. You know, the source of unity for a group is found in individual humility. Did you catch that? For, for us to work together and be united re requires individual humility to put other people first before ourselves. That starts with giving Christ our heart and letting him change it. If you've never given your heart to Jesus, today's the day you can do that. You can pray right here. You can raise your hand. One of us will come to you. If you just feel God calling you in your walk and say, I just want to go all in. I want to go more. Like I've been running my own race, my own race of acceptance and, and, and whatever that is. And you say, I want to run his race. Right? Hebrews also said he set the race before them the plan, the purpose, the path, what you've got to do, you've been called to. It's simply just giving God your heart. And that's what we're going to sing here. So sing with us.